Hello, this is episode 287 and I'm talking with building biologist Sarah Dakota from The Healthy Home. She's here to talk about healthy buildings and share her thoughts on how recent National Construction Code changes might affect how healthy our buildings are. Australian homes have often been described as glorified tents with construction techniques changing very little over decades. Our climate is considered mild when compared to other parts of the world that experience extreme heat or cold. And consequently, you can find that many homes built in Australia are built without the climate in mind. And then as we've had rising energy efficiency standards demanding increased air tightness and insulation, it actually is a cocktail that poses a risky issue in the health of our buildings and the health of those of us living in them. Now, we haven't heard much about it in Australia. I have mentioned it a couple of times on the podcast that you've been listening to, but this increased air tightness and a more is better approach to insulation when it's used without a whole of home approach has actually resulted in a rising number of mould problems and structural moisture damage to homes in the UK, US, Europe and of course New Zealand as well. It's coined leaky building syndrome and a lot has actually had to be done in those locations to improve the building regulations. The question is now, will Australia actually learn fast enough from the mistakes in these other locations and be able to avoid the issues that have been experienced elsewhere? In my conversation with Zara, which is across this and the next episode, we talk more about this, about your home's health and what to know about its construction and design to ensure that you don't create a hazardous environment for yourself. And Zara will also share her insights into the National Construction Code updates and what to consider for great outcomes in your project. Whether you're renovating or building new, this information is going to be super helpful for you. Now, remember, if you'd like to grab a full transcript of this episode, plus information on the resources that we discussed, you can do all of that by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 287. That's the numbers 287. Now, let's dive in. I begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and I recognise the continuing connection to lands, waters, skies and communities. I pay my respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to elders both past and present. If we haven't met before, I'm Amelia Lee. Based in northern New South Wales, Australia, I'm a wife, mum and architect and I've worked in the architectural industry for over 27 years now. Having worked on over 250 projects, mainly residential family homes, as well as significantly renovating three homes of my own with my hubby, whilst our three kids were babies, toddlers and even older, I have a personal and professional understanding of the joy, challenges, stresses and excitement of making your family home a reality. In mid-2014, I started Undercover Architect and it's an online business to help and teach homeowners like you how to get it right when designing, building and renovating your family home. Undercover Architect is all about giving you access to the industry knowledge and insights you need to avoid the mistakes and dramas that can cost you thousands, tens of thousands and even hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's about levelling the playing field so that the world of renovating and building doesn't seem so mysterious and you can be the active driver in your project, navigating it with know-how and confidence. Undercover Architect helps and teaches homeowners through this podcast, the website and our online courses and programs, including my flagship program, Home Method. I truly believe that when you know the questions to ask, the steps to take and the best way to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in, you can enjoy the process of building and renovating, as well as the home that you move into at the end of this ambitious journey. Consider Undercover Architect your secret ally, whoever you're working with and whatever your location, your budget or your dreams. 
Grab access to my free online workshop, Your Project Plan, and learn super helpful information to save time, money and stress in your reno or new build. You can find it at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. That's P-R-O-J-E-C-T-P-L-A-N. Now, let's get on to the episode. After my last couple of episodes introducing to the National Construction Code and taking you through the specific updates as part of NCC 2022, I wondered if you thought, holy cow, that's a lot, or what a headache, that's just more that I need to worry about with my project. Did you perhaps have those thoughts? It would be totally understandable if you did. And so that's why I think it's worthwhile to learn more about why we actually need these updates. Because change can be challenging to contend with at any time, but I find if we understand the bigger picture of what we're seeking to achieve and why change is actually necessary, it can help us navigate it with more motivation and calm. And well, that's my experience anyway. So I wanted to bring Zara in as the first of my interviews in this series, as my conversation with her, I believe, will provide great context and insight as to why these changes are needed and the benefit that they can provide, not only for our homes, but for us as well. Now, Zara and I first connected when I uh, joined a little while ago. I joined one of her mini minds, as she called it. It was an online program focusing on roofs, walls and floors and the NCC latest updates. And it was really great to hash out these things based on our own experiences and for me to see what was being discussed with other industry professionals as well. As I said to you in the previous episodes, this is the first time that the Australian Building Codes Board or ABCB has linked home performance with human health. And it stands to reason, you know, when we spend so much time in our homes, they have to be having an impact on how we feel and function on a daily basis. And given the amount of money that we invest in renovating and building them, wouldn't it be great to ensure that the impact that they actually have is a beneficial one? Now, before I jump into my conversation with Zara, I want to introduce you to her. So Zara Dakota is founder of The Healthy Home. She's a building biology, new build consultant and a keynote speaker. And she discovered her passion for environmental health after going through cancer and environmental illness. Specialising in healthy home design and building materials, Zara empowers homeowners and building industry professionals to make informed choices to ensure the homes that they create are not only better for the planet, but their own well-being as well. She does this through her online programs, presentations, keynote speeches and consulting services. Zara is a graduate of the Building Biology Institute in the USA, the only institution globally to offer a certification pathway for building biology students wanting to specialise in new builds. After initially studying healthy home design and building materials in Australia in 2020, she decided to pursue further studies in this specialist field under the guidance of mentors in the fields of building biology, building science, natural building and architecture, and they've been pioneering the building biology new build space for 30 years. So she's tapped into a lot of wealth of experience and knowledge to build her own experience and knowledge. Let's jump into my conversation with Zara now. Well, Zara, I'm really excited to have you here on the Undercover Architect podcast. Uh, you and I, have um, I think we've probably been dancing in each other's online circles for some time. And then, of course, I participated in your recent mini mind, which was really great to uh, connect with you in that way and be able to uh, talk about the things that you've been learning and that I've been learning. And, you know, we've been seeing work in the industry, which is really awesome. I think it's been a really great meeting of minds in terms of our own personal areas of expertise. So it's going to be really great to properly introduce you to the Undercover Architect community, many of whom I'm sure are aware of you in terms of that what you do in your work and, and what you do in social media and those kinds of things to educate not only the industry, but also homeowners. 
So um, thank you so much for being here. And I want to just jump straight into asking you firstly about, you know, for those who haven't heard about building biology or understand what's involved in the study of it. And also, I know that your special interest is in building biology around new homes, how you kind of got drawn to building biology, a bit more about what it is, and also, you know, what you've done in terms of furthering your studies overseas and why you made that choice. Yeah, for sure. And first of all, thank you so much for having me. I've yeah been admiring your work for a long time and I loved our chats in the mini minds. I'm very, very excited about this chat. So in terms of uh, what building biology is, first of all, uh, it, it is it literally means building for life. It's derived from the German words Baubiologie and it was founded in Germany in the 1970s. And after World War II, there was the need to uh, build a lot of homes really quickly and the move to synthetic building materials and untried, untested methods of construction. And there was a group of uh, professionals that noticed with that came a significant decline in the health of the population. So building biology was founded by Anton Schneider, PhD, and an electrobiologist called Alfred Hornig. And it really is the study of the relationship between the built environment and the health of the human and our surrounding environment. And the goal is for each of these three things to be in harmony. And it really is unique in its focus on the health of the human. So looking at the way a home is designed, what any looking at surrounding health hazards, the health impacts of building materials, lighting, water filtration, electromagnetic radiation, it goes really, really deep. And in terms of how I came across it, it was pure stroke of luck. It was eight years ago, it was 2015, I had just been through my second cancer diagnosis in two years. I had mm -hmm. breast cancer at age 29 and a melanoma diagnosis at age 31. And I was incredibly lucky in that neither of those cancers had spread, but a few things happened within the months following that second diagnosis. The first was the loss of a really close lifelong friend to breast cancer which had our, both our experiences had me asking a lot of questions. And I also had about, you know, I hadn't had to go through chemo. I'd only had to go through radiation. So can the cancer itself and the treatments hadn't made me sick, but I had about 20 plus different symptoms that no doctor was able to really diagnose or pinpoint. And I decided to look into the genetic side of things. And I just happened to find on the internet a, a, a naturopath that specialized in that. And she did the longest health history anyone had ever done. 90 minute health history, asked me questions about every building I'd ever lived in throughout my life. And we established that I'm one of the one in four people that is genetically susceptible to mold. And at that point, she said to me, uh, you're, anytime you move home for the rest of your life, you're going to need to get it assessed by a building biologist. And to be honest, at that point, I was like, this is a bit far-fetched. But I did what she said and I had my home assessed and um, he, he, just, he found that I had slightly elevated levels of mould in the home that I owned, that I was living in in Melbourne, but he thought that EMFs were actually the bigger concern for me at that point. But that home wasn't going to be the best for me long-term and I'd be better off living in a warmer climate. So that planted the seed to go and live somewhere warmer than Melbourne. And I spent the subsequent four years moving from one Airbnb and rental to the next between Melbourne and Sydney back and forth and just couldn't find a building that wasn't water damaged that was, that was going to be a suitable environment for me to be able to heal. So I eventually moved to the Northern Rivers of New South Wales and spent six weeks trying to find somewhere to live within 20 minutes of Byron Hinterland and every all the places I was, you know, pretty certain had 
poor ventilation, poor lighting, we're going to have mold problems. So I ended up um, going further afield to Kingscliff because there was a brand, a home that had just finished being built. So when I moved in, it was three weeks after the builders had handed over the keys. And I thought this was going to be key to getting over mold illness. And I woke up after the first night and I had a, uh, my eyes were stinging so badly. I had to get out of my house to let, to let it ventilate. I had rash, about to nausea for the first few months. So at this point, I really decided I really, I wanted to learn about the materials that were in my home and the impact that we're having and, you know, learn about healthy home design and materials so that I can one day build my own healthy home and play my part in the movement for change in the meantime. So I started my studies focusing on home design and building materials here in Australia and learned some really valuable information and, and skills, uh, research skills, and was absolutely staggered. I literally was at this desk for about three weeks because I had to assess every single material used to build my home. I had to research and reference the known health and environmental impacts of every ingredient in every material. And I was staggered by the mountains of evidence that existed. Um, and the only, I knew that I really wanted to continue down this path because I also, in sharing my own story, I had so many people reaching out to me with their own stories of mold illness and problems that are really difficult to fix that, you know, without ripping up walls and, you know, tearing buildings down. And I I didn't want to do mold testing or EMF testing because I didn't want to go into homes and put myself at risk. And I knew I really wanted to be part of a longer term solution. So that's what led me to study um, in the US through the Building Biology Institute. And there I had the opportunity to be mentored by uh, two incredible humans, Paula Baker Laporte, who is a architect and building biologist. She's been designing and built uh, homes for environmentally sensitive people for 30 years. And Stephen Collette, uh, who's in Canada, and he is not only a building biologist, but also uh, he's got expertise in building science. He's a straw bale builder and energy efficiency assessor. So I really got the opportunity to be mentored by people that had not just the building biology expertise, but, you know, the design and build side of things as well. And the thing that really I hadn't cottoned on to when I was in Australia was the importance of building science as well in creating a healthier home environment. Building physics was um, a, a compulsory subject and that really opened to my eyes uh, to the importance of things like air tightness in the building envelope and some of the changes that are being made um, to the National Construction Code in Australia this year. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you for that run through. It's really interesting to hear. I think I think that was my experience too, as I started to dive more into learning about how they build and construct and renovate in or remodel in America and uh, pursued my own studies of the, of the American industry. They're very different to Australia in that they don't rely on the cladding as the waterproof lining on the home. The waterproofing actually happens behind the cladding and they're also dealing with snow and things like that in a lot of climates. And so how water and vapour and temperature impacts the building envelope is a lot more, I suppose, immediate to them than it's ever been to us here in Australia. And yet we're dealing with all the same issues that they are. We just handle them in a different way. And we also, I think, you know, there's been, I know, I mean, I've been, I left school in 91 and went straight into architecture. So I've been doing this for a long time. And I remember the climate always being described as something quite gentle in Australia compared to what happens in the States and in the Northern Hemisphere. But obviously what we're seeing 
you know, over the last decade in particular, that our climate's not so gentle. And and what's been really fascinating for me as I've been learning more about this is it's actually those that move here from overseas and, you know, Europeans and Americans that come here to Australia and they start renting homes and then they go, you guys are all living in tents. Like what, what is this? You know, the houses aren't, they're not, they're just, I can't do anything to protect myself from the outdoor environment. This house just leaks air nonstop. You know, I'm, I'm pumping air conditioning into it and it's just dissipating outside. And they started to question the, the caliber of homes that we've been building here for years. And then also, of course, I think a lot of original housing in Australia was obviously informed by an English kind of construction methodology and an English climate that wasn't necessarily suited here. We didn't take cues from how Indigenous people built their homes. We took cues from how colonial people built their homes. And so it's it's really interesting to see it all. I feel like it's all coming to a head and we've got this really exciting opportunity to avoid some of the things that have happened like in Canada and New Zealand with the leaky building syndrome, you know, I know there's lots in the industry that think that we're going to hit that anyway in Australia and that's going to be the turning point. I'm hoping, I've got a lot of hope and and ambition for the industry that we're actually catching up with this faster and we're learning about this faster so we'll hopefully avoid it being a really dramatic problem in a lot of industry sectors. I think that there might be some parts of the industry where it will just need to come to that to turn things around, but it's really fascinating. So I, yeah, I, I'm really excited to sort of be hearing more about your knowledge in this podcast episode. But before we dive into that, I wanted to ask, do you find that the people that seek you out, are they people that have had chronic health conditions or perhaps they've gone through some life-changing health issue like you did and they've started to question those things around them and so they're looking for extra help when they're building or renovating? Or do you feel like this is now starting to inform how a lot of people are doing things preemptively and so they're they're thinking, oh, yeah, building biologists is who I need on my team. The demographic of the people to come to me has completely shifted over the last year or so, uh, which has been really exciting to witness. So initially, uh, yeah, people who've been through mold illness, I've had quite a few clients who've been through mold illness or they've had other health challenges that have led them to question the links between our environment and our health, maybe fertility challenges or a, a, a child with health challenges or allergies. Uh, but there's also been a number of people that are, just doing it proactively. But also my customer base has really evolved from being predominantly women who are embarking on renovation or build to now predominantly builders that know that this is really important. They need to know in order to improve the quality and the health outcomes for their clients. That's, I, I love that. I actually really love that that's happening because that means to me that you know, the work that I do obviously with builders in Live Life Build, I know that they're becoming much more aware of the risk that they wear with homes and how those homes are, are impacting the occupants. And they're so it's fantastic that they're proactively seeking you out. So that's brilliant. Yeah. Honestly, I, it's the greatest joy to witness. And yes, they're, they're obviously doing it because, you know, there's a level of responsibility and requirements as part of the changes, but the conversations that happen and just how much they care and how much thought they're putting into you know how they can implement this information to improve the outcomes for their clients how awesome so my next question was to ask you how receptive you're finding industry is to the knowledge that you share and and generally that the home does have an impact to be able to help or to or harm somebody's health um, that is living in that home do you do you see that that receptiveness to that information is still very niche or do you feel like it's starting to penetrate sort of more mainstream and how how perhaps in the industry here we might compare to say you know what your networks are doing overseas and their receptiveness to it 
I think that I probably have a skewed view of the industry because the majority of the people I deal with are the, are the people that are open to the information that I'm sharing, but I've definitely noticed a huge shift this year. I have to actually credit the Australian Institute of Architects. I did two presentations for their members this year. They were among the highest uh, attendance levels for their webinars ever. Oh, um, wow. The level of engagement, the questions, the comments. To be honest, I was quite apprehensive with how some, about how some of my information was going to be received, and I was blown away by the level of receptiveness and engagement. But I am aware that this is only a very small percentage of the industry. And then at, in terms of our regulatory bodies, there's definitely, you know, I've had mixed experiences there. There are some that are definitely not open to this idea yet. And then overseas, I actually, I put um, the fields out to a network of women in building biology in the US and Europe. And it's definitely very similar. Like the awareness around health and our homes is very, very small, very niche. I watched the recording of your lean-in session, which is actually available for anyone to watch on uh, the Australian Institute of Architects website and our, their YouTube channel. And I'll pop it in the the resources for this episode, actually, because it was great to sort of see, I was really keen to see what architects, what kinds of questions architects were asking you at the end. And I could see too, that there was also a little bit of opposition to it. I think I know that when I see people first learn about this, there can be a certain amount of guilt of uh, it's that whole thing of like, when you know better, you do better, but you've got to deal with the mindset concern of hang on, how long have I been not knowing and not doing well enough? And what does that mean? If I acknowledge now, I think this is what a lot of industry professionals deal with. If I acknowledge now that I know better and I'm going to change what's going to happen to all those previous projects and my accountability to those previous projects when I didn't know what I needed to know. And so some people's reaction to that is I'm just not going to learn because if I don't know, then I can keep doing what I've been doing. So I love that you brought this up because actually a builder that said to me on a call last week, he said he was really triggered by some information I shared in our chat group that day. But to his credit, A, the acknowledgement, I'm feeling triggered because this challenges my belief, my long-held belief about this but actually got straight on the phone to his supplier, asked for more information. So, yeah, what he chose to do with, with the information that challenged his belief, uh, I was really impressed by because it, it is very easy to just go, this is too hard and just turn a blind eye. Yeah, most definitely. Now, you obviously see lots of mistakes uh, that people will make around design and building material selection. Can you just take us through some of the most common ones? Because uh, I know that you share a resource on your website about the five pillars of a healthy home, which is a really great resource for people to check out. Yeah, if I'd just love to, for you to share with the Undercover Architect community what you see those common mistakes are. Yeah, for sure. I think a big one that can make a really big difference that I see so often, I'm actually looking out at a roof that is case in point, Flat roofs with no eaves are more susceptible to condensation and mould-related problems. Eaves play a really important role in protecting the exterior materials from moisture and diverting water away from the home and away from the foundations. I've seen a mould assessment report. Um, there's a, a wall on the south side that didn't have eaves, had mould in the bricks, and the rain was seeping into the concrete slab into the home, contributing to elevated airborne mold levels within the home. Other ones, in terms of material choices, I think, and this is where I think uh, builders are finding it challenging to get clients across the line in terms of making the better choices is, and this isn't necessarily with clients that I've served, residential clients, but but yeah, from the building industry professional perspective is 
you know, spending lots of money on tiles and bench tops, things that aren't going to make much of a difference to how the building's going to form, but not wanting to invest money in good quality insulation. Like, obviously, if you're not going to see the materials that are inside your wall system, then why spend more money on it? But I actually think that that's one of the most important choices that you can make that's going to um, not only support thermal comfort, energy efficiency, reduced um, energy bills, but also your health, the structural integrity, the longevity of your home, the value of your asset. I think it's one of the biggest choices that you can make. Fantastic. Yeah, I think that those are I I do see people really struggle with the stuff that gets hidden and investing in it in the best possible way. It also can feel quite confusing. Like I, I see a lot of my home method members dive into the kind of the conversation of insulation and wall wraps and things like that. And it's why I'm really excited about this season because I know that this is going to help them sort of navigate a lot of that. But and it's also really exciting to see the changes being made to the National Construction Code to uh, legitimize some of some of those selections and regulate them a little bit more effectively as well. But you can just get such competing information from all different sources. And if you don't know how to kind of navigate through the greenwashing or the the information that looks a certain way but means something else, then it can be really challenging. So I think that in, in any case, getting some expert input into how you're going to wrap and insulate your home for your climate based on the design and the roof form, as you said, you know, a lot of people struggle to avoid doing flat roofs because they really like that contemporary design, but it does mean that it has an onflow effect, onflow impact of and consequence of decisions that you need to make about how that roof is constructed and detailed so that you don't set yourself up for issues long term. Yeah. And another just following on from that is that I've seen is yeah, a client who had yeah, flat roof, roof leaks the windows and doors hadn't been sealed properly. So there was water coming into the home, but also the ducted aircon system uh, in the flat roof, you couldn't, it couldn't be accessed to be cleaned or maintained. So then that was blowing mold spores around the house. The whole house was declared unlivable. This is a less than 10 year old house that they had to move out of. So things like that can make a massive difference. Flat window sills, collecting water, garden beds up against the home, resulting moisture seeping into the home. Yeah, no, that's um, a really good, really good tips. I think that if we can dive a bit more into the topic around condensation, mold management, air tightness, those kinds of things, and what some of those misconceptions or concerns that you're seeing or that you might have particularly about how you're seeing people tackle their building and renovation projects, because I think that, you know, there's the, we have a saying in, a, in an architecture that we've had for decades, which is, you know, airtight ventilate right and and mm. but a lot of people think that well then that means that I just need to be able to open windows there's this whole thing about needing your house to breathe you know all of this kind of stuff is a is a big kind of concept in how people think about their homes what are you you know this is something that you dive into a lot obviously from your own personal experience of mold illness and helping homeowners navigate this this in their own homes can you just yeah let's dive into it a bit yeah so I think what people that are embarking on renovations and build need to be aware of is that mold can be and is, is a problem in new builds. There was a scoping study into condensation in residential builds that was carried out by the University of Tasmania in 2015 that found mold to be a problem in 40% of new buildings in all climate zones in Australia. And I think um, a big area that is lacking awareness that needs a lot more focus is construction stage practices to reduce mold risk. So 
I suspect that the flooring in my own home was laid before the concrete slab was fully cured. So then you're getting moisture trapped beneath your flooring, timber framing and concrete slabs being exposed to months of rain, wall cavities being sealed when the timber's still got a high moisture content content or is potentially already um, contaminated with mould. So moisture is being sealing trapped into the wall system. There's actually a story in the scoping study, which I actually think is, I think every homeowner and builder should be across the findings of that study. But there's a story of a family that had mould problems and had to move out of their home four months after it was built. And this home was built to code and they had to take the roof off the insulation was sodden, uh, there wasn't a vapour permeable membrane used. So they had to pay, I think it was $40,000 in remediation costs. On top of that, they had to move out and pay to rent another home. Uh, The doctors told them to move out because everyone in the family developed allergies. The marriage subsequently ended because of all the stress and financial pressure. So mould in new builds, can be a significant problem if the right strategies aren't implemented in the design, material choices and the construction stage. Yeah, and I think it's, I, you know, that one in four people being impacted by it, I find that the one in four, they're actually the canary in the coal mine, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've had Alex Stewart on the podcast and she's a dear friend of mine and we've talked about this a lot, that just because the one in four person is impacted by it doesn't mean that it's not having some detrimental effect somewhere on the other three out of four as well. And it's just not showing up as really dramatic symptoms as it does in that one in four of the population. So, and I think that uh, the more that we build airtight homes, which we've been doing over the past, you know, several years, we've been getting much better at airtight construction, but that needs to be coupled with uh, strategies about how does your building manager manage moisture when the building is closed up? How do you control the movement of, of water vapor, you know, through the building envelope? And when we each produce, you know, I think it's three to four litres of water a day just in our everyday, you know, kind of breathing and those kinds of things. You can have the best exhausted bathroom. You can have a range in your kitchen, you know, all that kind of stuff, but you are still going to be producing vapour on a daily basis, even in the driest of climates. So how do you use, how do you detail your building envelope to ensure that it's going to enable that water vapour to move through, be drained to somewhere that isn't going to be problematic? And then also, as you said, those construction checks along the way one of the things that I obviously we were chatting about in your mini mind was the ability to use a moisture meter to test the moisture level of the timber framing um, during construction before the wall gets wrapped before the the plasterboard lining goes on so that if you have had the you know timber frames can sustain sitting out in rain for a certain period of time treated timber but they need to be able to they need to have dried out before they get enclosed in a wall um, construction so I think I, I'm I'm hoping that this change in the National Construction Code is the first in us seeing now some as-built verification processes coming in. And at the very least, I know lots of members of the undercover architect community are starting to think about these things and including them contractually so that their builders compelled to do them, things like blow it or tests and those kinds of things as they go. So, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see. So now on the National Construction Code, you've obviously been doing loads of research. I know that you've been diving deep into what the changes are and how these changes are going to impact our ability to create more healthy homes. Can you take us through some of the things that excite you about the changes and you know what you've been sharing with the industry professionals that you've been teaching? Yeah, for sure. I have to say that I was bowled over when I saw the scale of the changes. It actually 
took a few weeks for it to sink in. And when it did, I actually felt quite emotional because when I first made the realisation that, yeah, I was sick because of my home, I was cast in the loony bin. I had three medical specialists at the top of their field that said the health practitioner that told me that I was potentially sick because of mould was scaremongering. They didn't want me to get lost with the mould crowd, the very crowd that I needed the help from to help me get better. Uh, So on a personal level and for everyone who's been through this is the fact that mould mold in the built environment contributes to health issues is has been acknowledged in our national construction code is massive um, it means that our voices have been heard and our our experiences were real and valid there was a point in time where I dreamed of living in a tent in the desert so I could get better and I know that there are Australians who have had to go and live in tents to get better so so this is this is massive and in terms of you know what it means on a broader level, it's ultimately going to improve the standard of housing in Australia. It's going to improve the value of you know homes that are built like this. It's going to improve the value, the longevity of their homes. It's also going to reduce the environmental impact of new builds because I, I did some maths on this last year, and last year it was estimated that there was going to be 133,000 homes built in Australia. If 40% of them have to be renovated or knocked down and re- rebuilt in the next 10 years. That's that's around 55,000 homes. And the environmental impact of that is about 5.7 tonnes of carbon emissions. And then you think that a million tonnes of plasterboard is produced every year in Australia. The environmental cost of one in, you know, 40% of homes having mould problems and having to be knocked down and rebuilt is just creating a huge environmental disaster. So there's there's so many things to be excited about in terms of these changes and what they mean. And that's it for part one of my conversation with Zara. So in the next episode, you'll hear part two of my conversation and there's also, we'll kick off with her, this, the part two of her answer to that last question as well. So it was a good kind of opportunity to split it and put it into the next episode. So make sure you check that out. Tuning in for the next episode, you'll hear Zara and I go into more detail about things that you can do in your project and your future home, whether you're building or renovating, that will support your health and well-being, and then the type of help and information that you can access to do it well. I've got a few reminders for you before I finish up. Firstly, if you'd like a transcript of this episode, you can get a free download of it by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 287. We've also popped a loads of extra links and resources there for you as well. So make sure you check that out. If you're a like-minded industry professional that's located anywhere, not just Aussie-based, this is not just for Aussie-based professionals, but anyone, anywhere. If you help homeowners renovate or build their homes, whatever kind of way you do that and you'd like to work more closely with undercover architect community members i'd love you to check out the ua army it's free to join and you can find out more by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash army and of course if you would like more structured help and guidance and to feel more confident and in control as you learn the steps from start to finish of your project journey and how to create a great home that you love living in that also supports your health and well-being then home method is definitely the place for you You'll join a community of amazing and super informed homeowners on a similar journey to you. And it's where you can access my personalized support and guidance in your project as well. You can find out more about Home Method by heading to homemethod.com.au or to the Undercover Architect website and hit Home Method on the menu there. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye. 
Just a reminder, all content on this podcast is provided by Undercover Architect for reference purposes and as general guidance. It does not take into account specific circumstances and should not be relied on in that way. You should seek independent verification or advice before relying on this content in any circumstances, including but not limited to circumstances where loss and damage may result. The views and opinions of any guests on the podcast are solely their own and may not reflect the views of Undercover Architect. Undercover Architect endeavours to publish content that is accurate at the time it is published, but does not accept responsibility for content that may or has become inaccurate over time. Thank you.